Hello, you are listening to I Don't Deserve a Podcast, Episode 6, Overqualified, Underqualified, live from FITC 2019. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. My name is Luke Peters and I don't deserve a podcast, but I apparently deserve to be a volunteer with FITC, which is an amazing, amazing conference that happens in Toronto. And I have the rare honor and pleasure to sit down with Patrick, the volunteer coordinator for the event. And he's going to tell us a little bit about the conference. And you guys are going to get the an experience of chatting with some people who actually went to the conference, some students, some grads, and even an art director from a production company here in Toronto. Patrick, thanks for coming on the oh, show. No, it's a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, man. No, I'm, cool. I'm pumped to have you because uh, I've been volunteering with the conference two years, and it's been delightful. And, and I, I, I should say thank you for being on the team because yeah. it's, it's good. You know, I mean, we appreciate when we have people who keep coming back because it makes our job easier because we know we can trust you, but also we know that, like, you're getting a lot out of it and we know like we're getting our best people. So for people who are kind of listening to this being like, what are they talking about? (laughs) Uh, Talk to me a little bit about the conference, uh, how you got involved with it. And I mean, just to start, I guess, what is FITC for those who don't know? What the company does is we actually host uh, many professional development events throughout the year, particularly focused on the design and technology industries. But there, we, we put together events and we curate the content, we handle the logistics, the venue management, and really we're putting these events together to help people, you know, increase their skills, you know, get a little bit more knowledge in whatever field they might be interested in because we try to keep it, you know, not necessarily focused on one thing. We do have events where we do that, but also we're, uh, we're focused on inspiring people and connecting like there i mean i see a lot of conventions that come up and they come and go and it's they're kind of focused on one thing you know you'll have people who will be interested in well this is only about networking or this is a thing where you sit here and you listen to a lecture and you leave and it doesn't make any difference and i think where fitc sort of gets out of that zone is that we want to combine all those things. We want a place where you can come and learn about something new or learn a little bit more about something you're interested in or something to help you with your job, but also so you can connect with people and so you can be inspired and so you can have a little fun in the process. Our events are focused on everyone from digital creatives to people who are working in advertising or marketing uh, to people who are, you know, like just getting into coding or someone who's just graduated. Like, we have people who've just graduated ever from OCAD uh, to, you know, like MIT or RIT. And, like, all of these people come for obviously different reasons or at least for different fields, but people are really just coming to learn and to connect. Enjoy the interview. Uh, we got some really good ones. Uh, this is going to be a two-parter, so uh, you'll enjoy our little 
interview with the undergrads, a little bit of the graduate students, and then the next episode will be grads and then uh, our fine, fine friend from uh, Dark Slope. Uh, thanks so much nice. for coming on the show, Patrick. No, thanks for having me. It was and great. And I hope to chat with you soon. Welcome back to I Don't Deserve a Podcast. I Don't Deserve a Podcast, but I hope I deserve your listens today. I have a really cool guest today, live from the floor of FITC 2019. Uh, I'm chatting with Ty, who's a student at OCAD, a freelance illustrator, and so much more. A, a designer of some sort, maybe a creative, hopefully. A creative on one of those. Maybe one of those not, though, I'm not sure. Um, so, Ty, tell us a little bit about some of the work you've done. What are you, what are you working on these days? Um, so right now, uh, primarily working with a uh, company called Benji Sleep, doing their all their creative and leading all their ad campaigns. It's a it's a bed sheet company, mail order, really comfy. Check them out. Um, also helping to run a uh, I'm the creative director, I guess, for a uh, a fundraiser called the Pond Hop, raising money uh, for sick kids every winter by uh, doing kind of like a a route around the city, hopping around from different outdoor rink to outdoor rink. It's a uh, hockey based, right? Yeah. Yeah, Pond cool. Up, yeah. Um, and specifically for the Versus campaign that uh, Sick Kids has, has, which is a lot of fun. I'm doing kind of like all the awareness for that. Uh, what else am I working on? You're in your third year? Third year. Of, of OCAD? Yeah. Third year. So we're here at the conference in Toronto, checking out some of the cool speakers. Talk to me about what it's been like being a creator in this kind of space and, and seeing some of these really cool people of like illustration and graphic design and design as well. I think it's because uh, I've always wanted to spread out, um, just getting away from, I primarily just do photography, uh, design, um, editorial design, but being here and seeing what people have been able to do with every other aspect of technology is huge. Like I've kind of only got my toes wet with we uh, touch designer and now it's just like I want to go full on in it and just the, what, what one can do. Like I think I've lim in the past really limited myself um, just using like the Adobe Cloud or whatever, but there's a lot of really awesome programs out there, like Cinema 4D, which I'm just kind of recently getting into for animation and such stuff like that. Yeah, Cinema 4D is phenomenal. Uh, speaking of Cinema 4D, um, the uh, illustrator for all the work uh, this year is yeah, uh, Beeple. Beeple, which is like kind of the the godfather of of Cinema 4D. Such the such an advocate for it. Um, he actually did a talk uh, earlier in the. Uh, in the conference about uh, just one of his, he, uh, for those who don't know, he does basically a new Cinema 4D project every single day. Um, so I wanted to chat with you kind of about like the scale of some of these, these designers and these illustrators and like these creators. Um, for someone who's in school, but also a freelance creator, how does that kind of affect your kind of like journey? Like, are you finding that a lot of these people are inspiring you or does it kind of make you like take a step back? I think it's easy to both be inspired, but then also almost paralyzed by the skill of some of your of your biggest uh, influences. Like I just watched that little small thing by David Carson, which was amazing. He's what he's done is just fantastic, and his whole paste up technique, which is and, and just staying analog, and then finally bringing it in digital the very last step. But I think it's important to know know that no one was born fantastic, whatever they're doing. Like Beeple, he's been posting uh, at least one 
composition a day for like what? 12 years. 12, 12 fucking years. That's insane. I'm sorry, I swear. Yeah, that's fine. It, that's insane. Like, yeah, it's insane. If you're just sitting at home, going to school, and like just doing your assignments, like don't compare yourself to the greats. Yeah. Well, it's a different work ethic, right? Or like, it's a completely different. It's not even just that; it's experience. And then you see people on Instagram or on Reddit posting all these amazing stuff. Like, no matter what it is—photography, illustration, film, like editing, design—you have to really understand. And like, that was a huge thing for me. Like, I was paralyzed with all my work, thinking that I'm never gonna make it. And the stuff that I have done, that people accepted. I think they just accepted it because maybe they felt bad for me. But I think it's it's a process, and you really have to realize that. Uh, Practice makes perfect. No one was born. Yeah, that's that's totally perfect. A, a true thing. Like again, like going back to Beeple again. Like he did it every single day. Like that that's didn't insane. they didn't happen overnight. That's a work ethic. That's something that was that he grew and that developed and came from something. Like there was a time before he was doing that, and he was a creator and he was doing stuff. And then that just happens. It's like you just have to keep working and keep being like confident in your work and eventually yeah. something happens, you know? Yeah, and I mean, I remember I heard some guy saying like during his little uh, talk when he was doing that creation, which was hilarious by the way, and there was a guy next to me saying like, this is insane, how does he do it this fast? And I was just like, it's every day. Yeah, it's every day. Like, you really, and that I think goes, that's like speaks to bigger volumes is, when people post things on Instagram and Reddit and any kind of social media, they're posting the best of what they've done. Yeah. And everyone has their own failures. Oh, right? of course. I think you learn so much from a failure more than you learn from a success. Um, and I guess that's no, that's not nothing new. That People say that all the time. But until you've really failed at something, I don't think you can really get good at it because you understand of the stakes. Of course. Like, that was just that yesterday. There was the... Uh, the the keynote from uh, the guy, the gentleman that was a JPL engineer, yeah. literally yeah. talking about all the f mistakes and fuck ups NASA and JPL had trying to get shit on Mars. Oh, for sure. And him working on Curiosity, it was like they would just learn from everything you. Yeah. It's it's an uphill battle, to say the very least, being in any creative sector. But more than more often, you find yourself almost stuck in this little loop of like, am I worth? like trying again kind of thing and i think that's the big thing that holds a lot of people back is like when they have a big failure they're like or when they're even making stuff and they're like oh i don't know if i want to post this it's that idea you hold yourself to such a high standard oh i barely post any of the stuff i do i have it on my own website but i don't put it on any social media and that's again it's a whole thing where i'm working on me thinking i'm not good enough for it right oh for sure and i think that's the biggest thing is like you run into that issue of like um, with this, like, and that's kind of what we're going to talk about in a little bit about the imposter syndrome, where it's like, you don't feel like you feel like an imposter in your own life. You feel You've just been like faking it. Yeah, exactly. And so eventually, it's going to catch up to you. There's a really great. I forget. He worked for HP, I believe, and uh, he didn't go to to university or college at all. Like he went high school and then just kept working and building himself up. Yeah. And they did a, an article on him and. It actually came out the fact that he's like, it's like, oh, so where did you go to school? And it's like, oh, I didn't go to school. And then the guy just was so dreading coming back to work that next day because he's like, everyone, I'm gonna get fired, I'm gonna get yelled at, like all this stuff, and nothing happened, nothing changed because no one cares as long as you're putting in the work. I mean, yeah, and as long as you're not lying about your credentials. Exactly, lying. Like that's, yeah. I mean, don't be a dumbass. Don't lie. But yeah, exactly. At the end of the day, work speaks for itself. Mm -hmm. Your work speaks for itself, and. I know everyone I know in the creative field 
and uh, and outside of it suffers with this like my roommates they do a lot of he does a lot of commercial and film and he suffers yeah. from, from imposter syndrome all the time yeah it's something that i was very surprised at the 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 pure multitude of people who are are feeling like that like um I wanted to chat with you actually because I think it's it's even more in something where like you're going to a digital media school or like an art based school because it's like everyone there is trying to fit into like like no I don't want to say like only three boxes but again like there's very like there's not a huge amount of jobs in the art industry like and stuff like that so do you find because you're surrounded around other artists that are kind of like coming up does that help or hinder your kind of like feeling about yourself No I think it it definitely does and like when I was in high school studying, taking graphic design, media arts classes, it was just Photoshop. It was just Illustrator. Yeah, that was it. But coming to uh, to OCAD, like Jelani, who we both know, uh, a friend of ours. Yeah, he, he was in a complete. He was in digital futures, focusing mostly on on uh, interface and coding and stuff like that. Yeah, and he showed me Touch Designer, which is now I love it, and it's like being able to do projection mapping and stuff is just so interesting to me. And again, that's not really something I would have. I would have felt so. I think OCAD definitely does help with the exposure a lot to just showing to different mediums and things you can use. Yeah, because I think that's the big thing is like when you have kids that are all kind of going for the same kind of ideas, like the idea of like being a creator, being someone who creates art. You have people playing to their strengths, but also people kind of exploring the whole world by it. You know, totally. Like, and so you're in your third year. Have you found that as you go through, do you find yourself kind of more refining, more kind of like? figuring out kind of the style like building a style for yourself or do you still feel like you're kind of trying to find it i definitely still think i'm trying to find my style and i think personally i won't find my style and maybe not even in 10 years mm. it's there's so many things you can try right and i think as a young creator like even if you're not in the unit like post-secondary unit education like i i know i know people that are so set in their ways um with their style and i mean it does work for for what they do, like I got a good friend of mine who works at a Nerds World, um, and he's an amazing designer, and his style's great. But to me, I just, I think there's just so many more styles and and, and avenues I can explore. Yeah, I think that's another big thing is like, and I I, I will ask you about this because you're also in that uh, field of like freelance for graphic design, uh, and just design in general. Do you find that when you come up with a style, when you kind of get more close to having your own style? that kind of limits the amount of jobs you can do. Do you find that like most clients want someone who can be very versatile? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, what's, what's the old saying? Jack of all trades, master of none, yeah. right? So, I mean, it depends on what you're doing. Um, there's our benefits of being really good at one style. So, and that could fit with you working in-house for some company. Yeah. Um, but some people do see the value in being able to come up with tons of different ways of approaching a problem. Because at the end of the day, design is just problem solving. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no. Um, I, I would think I would don't want to be, personally, have one style and stick to it. Yeah, finding your style is really important, I think. But it also comes down to being able to be versatile, being able to adapt to the situation. But I think having your, your own style that you can kind of like come back to is a nice confidence thing because you know you know what you're good at you know like 
will go back to people a million times, but like he's great at Cinema 4D, he's great at that kind of stuff, but he also does more video-based stuff, more like animation kind of like... Oh, his animation for this event was awesome. Oh, incredible. And that's very not like his style. His style is very much like that neon noir, like kind of vaporwave-esque style. And then you see him like doing cell-shaded explosion stuff. of color explosion. and cell-shaded, yeah. Exactly. Like we're standing beside one of his worms right now that he's made. And I'll, I'll, I'll make a post. I mean, again, this might come out a, a little while after the event, but I'll definitely make a comment about like some of the great stuff that we've seen at this event. Like you have someone kind of leaving their comfort zone, but he can always go back to it, right? Yeah, and that's a good point, because it is definitely good to have something you can fall back on. Um, if you get hired by a client because they know what you can do, and then they've seen your work, so that's good that they've seen that you're at that aspect of work and maybe your style, we could say, but if they do give you more room to kind of explore stuff, that's awesome, and then, which is sometimes very rare with clients. Yeah. Um, but then it's good to know that if whatever you tried to explore and did, client might not like it. That's something though, that's something yeah. you've done new, but then you do have something to fall back on and kind of stay your own style. For sure. I don't um, know why I keep doing air quotes. No, it's fine. Fucking podcast. I'll put I'll put in I'll put in the, like the podcast that like my voice just like he's air quoting. Yeah, I'll close caption. <laughs> close captions for the uh, for audio. <laughs> Um, so we're kind of running uh, running out of a little bit of time. I just wanted to ask you one more thing. Um, so for anyone who's experiencing imposter syndrome, especially because a lot of the people who probably will listen to this are going to be students, are going to be creatives and kind of new to the world, any any tips you can give them as someone who's actually in the freelance realm and, and doing, doing, the, doing the deed, as it were? Delete your social media. Straight up. Deleting social media and stop, stop comparing yourself to other artists. Um, sure, you can tell yourself, oh, they have all this experience behind them under their belt but i think if you really need a hard reset just delete social media for a bit and then that even said it's great for your own mental health too yeah for sure um and then finally what where can people find some of your stuff is there anything you want to plug any projects you're working on um yeah you can see some of my work um i post not often but it's uh, on instagram at prozac tyler um it's usually not under won't be an actual post. It's just kind of posted to my story because, again, yeah, I'm still kind of insecure about my own work, which is stupid to say. Um, I'm at a, I'm on Twitter at at Bean Bean Blandino, like Dean Blandino is the sportscaster except Bean instead of Dean. So okay, yeah. and uh, yeah, that's about it. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. Uh, and so your full name is uh, Ty Walters. Ty Walters. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Ty Walters. Okay, thanks, guys. Live from FITC, this is I Don't Deserve a Podcast. I'm Luke Peters, your uh, infallible host. Uh, and today, I have a real a real great honor. Uh, I get to chat with some master students from the uh, design program, uh, or the digital media program at Ryerson. Uh, I have just kidnapped them all, so they're going to listen to me and talk about their, uh, their fun experiences at school. Uh, I'd love for you guys to go around, say your name, kind of what you're doing, and what you're hoping to get out of it. Hi, I'm Bonnie, and I'm not from Canada. I moved here from uh, Seattle, or out from Portland, Oregon. And I wanted to come to Canada, which is why I chose this program. Actually, I told myself I would never go back to school unless it was a really 
hands-on program, and um, that's what the MDM program at Ryerson sounded like to me. Um, yeah, so I came looking for a program that was going to blend sort of technical skills with creativity and with entrepreneurship. Cool. Hi, I'm Sam Fernandez. I am from Windsor, Ontario, and I moved up to Toronto um, about four years ago to come into a postgraduate program at Humber in television writing and producing. Um, I worked in film and TV for a couple of years, um, and I kind of fell in love with the idea of like web series and online content. So that drove me to come to the MDM program. And from there, I have kind of shifted my focus into more design and marketing. Um, design is something I've always been interested in, but I've never really known what to do with it other than it just being an interest. So now I'm working towards the goal of hopefully designing some really cool stuff. Cool. I'm uh, Jonas. I graduated uh, with a degree that I don't really care for two years ago, and uh, I didn't really know what to do with it. So I started doing some uh, freelance film stuff, and I found this program online looking for things that match my interests. I just decided to go for it because it sounded better than working in a restaurant until I made enough money to kind of buy a camera. And uh, yeah, now I just want to put stuff on screen and make people laugh and kind of like do a sequel to Archer or something. I love it. It's really cool chatting with you guys just because I did chat with some undergrads earlier in the conference and it's a very very similar but very different point of view on school and point of view on, on learning. Um, FITC, where we are, is just full of, of mentors and full of people kind of teaching us all these really skills that aren't necessarily showcased anywhere else. Uh, how are you guys finding the conference so far in regards to just like building up your Rolodex of skills and kind of interests and connections, really? Um, I think it's really cool. I think one of the biggest takeaways that I've gotten from all the talks um, is that everybody kind of starts out not really knowing what they're doing and they just kind of figure it out, which is nice to know going into the industry because I kind of live my life not knowing what I'm doing. And it's nice to know that you can get somewhere kind of being self-taught and just kind of figuring it out on your own and trying new things and then getting where you want to be. So it's a nice pick-me-up from the kind of discouraging feeling that I think we're all having coming to the end of school, not really knowing what to do next. I totally agree. I think it's been a real privilege to see people who are coming from interdisciplinary backgrounds succeeding. Um, but I still always feel like there's not enough talk about how you got from point A to point B. I know most people don't have a plan that says this is how I'm getting from point A to point B, but there's still, you know, we need to talk about how you're paying your rent, like who's supporting you, like what kinds of resources we're benefiting from, what struggles you've had. And there have been some really amazing talks here, like inclusive design, like the art of being bad, the ways that your vulnerability and your particular problems are actually the tools to your success. Um, and for me, that's really, really true. And I'm trying to bring that into my own design practice. but. I think conferences like this and any kind of events in the design world need to tell more stories about imperfect people and imperfect practice. It's true. They don't really tell us how they got to where they are, and they are extremely inspiring. Uh, I think one of the first talks I saw was Jason White, and uh, he was just he was just exactly what you'd imagine someone from that '70s show to be like, like just like this kind of free spirit, but like clearly like a good head on his shoulders, uh, really creative, and I feel like he just put his art out there and he succeeded, then he failed, then he succeeded again. And that's a really cool story. 
but just the fact that you know like price tag for this event is already pretty enormous and we were lucky that our program helped us with it but to be fair our program is also really for the privilege it's just no one really talks about the fact that to be creative you need to have some sort of safety net and it's or just work your ass off right i i don't know that that is something that this conference uh, needs to focus on, but there needs to be some kind of resource here, at least, that lets people know that it's possible, right, to just come from, like, a simple background and actually do something awesome. Oh, for sure. I think the the huge thing that I like to, to reference a lot is that idea of when you don't have the safety net, you, you find yourself not taking as many risks, but on... In other terms, like if you don't have a safety net, everything you do is a risk. You don't have that, like if you don't have a beneficiary, if, if it's your parents, if it's someone who's inspired by you, inspired by your drive, by your passion, you are kind of on your own. And I think that conferences like this, and you're giving out your business card, you're talking to all these people, you're meeting all these new, these new creators, you find yourself building up a, a safety net being like, oh, listen, I don't have any work this month. You reach out to that person and it's like, hey, do you have any leads on something? And it kind of snowballs that way. And that's, I think, a skill that you don't necessarily, you're not really taught. And I think that'd be something that'd be really interesting to see is like a talk on networking. How do you actually get from here's my business card to here's my business? I'm really confused by networking. I don't know about everybody else, but I feel like it's something that I think our generation, millennials, are, we're kind of caught in the middle because there's all this talk about just reach out, ask for an opportunity, like build your network, you help each other out, but it is related to the imposter syndrome that like you have to, you should have something to offer if you're going to ask for something. And I don't always feel like I have something to offer. I don't always feel like my work is worth a referral because really what I personally want out of a mentorship is is not work, it's, it's help shaping my career or it's support. So I don't know if people think about that when they're networking. I know that I think women and people of color do more because we're more used to needing each other, but there's something to be said for just helping each other professionally. Like it's like a friendship for career people. And I think that's undervalued. I'm gonna throw out a really obscure, dumb reference here. Um, so I'm, I've always been really awkward when I go to networking events. Um, coming from a film and TV background, like you have to network and when I first started out with the company that I was working with, um, the other people in the company would like drag me and force me to shake hands with people because I hated talking to people. But I don't know if anyone's ever seen the movie Superstar. Um, there's a scene where Mary Catherine Gallagher is talking to herself in a mirror and she's listening to a tape and the tape tells her to like put your hand out and then it says like where's your hand in a new friend's hand and like that's always kind of playing in the back of my mind when I go to networking events hilarious because <laughs> like she's so awkward and like I feel kind of awkward and I feel like that when I talk to people but ultimately it's like that whole idea of like where's your hand in a new connections hand right like it doesn't matter necessarily what you can do for that person or what that person can do for you but they may know somebody that can help you or you may know someone that can help them and I think that's the best approach that I can take to networking um, is just like meeting new people and building those connections and then it kind of tree branches out from there no matter how awkward or weird it may be. Uh, I've always been pretty lucky when it comes to networking. Um, I don't know, my parents, I guess, inflated my ego pretty young. Like I just used to read a lot and uh, like the right things. and. Socially, it was just really easy to make people laugh. So when it actually came down to making money, I would just either lie 
or you know just uh, kind of talk about crazy ideas that I have because I do have crazy ideas I just don't execute really well and uh, I, I like to go back to like Jason White who I told about my thesis uh, which is essentially uh, like studying the effect of memes as a new form of digital advertising and this was at the like social event at uh, the beginning of the conference so Monday night and he just gave me his card and said can you send that over when you're done like it sounds really cool and I'm just like, this is awesome. Like this guy who I basically just complimented on his talk because it was really inspiring, decided to, you know, maybe it was a false gesture, maybe it was real and just like give me a chance, at least an ego boost in the sense of like, hey, like let me let me know about this. And I've had this opportunity just like with profs who have given me jobs or with, you know, just people in general who have taken a chance on me just because of how I talk. And I just realized it's kind of the same concept as what these guys have been doing, which is putting their art out there. Just put your name out there and maybe it'll stick to someone's mind, right? I think that's a great, a really, really great point about talking, about taking, like throwing your name out there basically and seeing seeing where it sticks. Um, it's really interesting that you're talking about, um, and we're going to talk about theses and stuff like that in a sec, because I know you guys are terrified of where that's going. <laughs> um, but I think it's very interesting that you bring up the idea of like parents and the idea of uh, having like profs and using these people to your advantage, because at the end of the day, Everyone who's a part of your journey to the destination, whatever the destination is, you you should be using them to, to they're all all they can be used for. And I think that's something that a lot of people forget. They'll leave their university and they'll be like, I have a degree, now what? And it's like you really want to build up those connections. Uh, and it's good. It's cool that you guys were talking about how hard it is because it is really tough to be like, hey, listen person who I've admired from afar for a really long time. Here's my rinky-dink idea about a talk show. Do you want to help me with that? And then if they say no, then that's the worst case scenario. And then you just keep moving on. You make new connections and you keep doing it. It's like a cycle. Um, I wanted to chat with you guys because you're in your, your master's program. Um, do you find yourself looking at everything from a very analytical point of view in regards to meeting, making these new connections? Do you do you kind of hold like a visor in front of it? It's like, well, I don't know how this person will will affect me positively, so maybe I won't work with them, kind of thing. Surprisingly, not. Um, I think because our program, being interdisciplinary and being very hands-on. Um, it kind of takes away that academic perspective. Um, we still do have to have an academic perspective. We're all writing thesis papers, but especially working in the creative industries too, like never discount who you're talking to because they might have a skill that you don't have. And even if it doesn't seem like a good fit, if you find a project that you could work on together, um, don't discount what they have. I think is a huge takeaway from any creative industry really, whether you're a master's student working academically or whether you're not. Um, yeah, just don't discount what other people have, no matter what. For me, my lens is more about, is this someone that I trust and that I want to work with? Because I can extract you know, creative value or business value from anyone that I meet. We can find ways to collaborate. We can come up with cool ideas. We can make cool shit. But like, if I don't trust them and they don't respect me, then I'm, I won't put in the effort. So I'm usually, that's why I'm a little, I play my cards closer. Because if I'm going to put in the energy, I need someone to to like sort of take care of me. And I think digital media is very hard because a lot of stuff happens online. A lot of stuff is not measurable. Like even mentorship happens, maybe not face to face. And it can be hard to put yourself out and not know what you're going to get. Um, and so for me, as I'm working on a thesis project, as I'm trying to stay in Canada, trying to find a job, trying to like 
articulate the kind of career and the kind of company that I want to work for. I'm, I'm struggling to not only look for job descriptions that I want, but also find companies that share my values. Yeah, that's, that's my current biggest struggle. Uh, I'll just like talk about how I'm just like this lucky ass cis white male who just, you know, found like everything I ever needed in life. I just, uh, I was actually with Sam in a course and we kind of killed it. Like we just put, worked our asses off and really tried to take as much away from it as possible. It was an entrepreneurship course uh, taught by Dr. Sean Wise, who's like, might not be the most popular figure in Ryerson, but definitely for me, one of the most like inspiring. He's just like this hilarious comic book nerd. And I just appeal to that a lot because, you know, he's very successful and he kind of doesn't give a fuck what you think. Is that cool? Yeah. Um, and he just like, I don't know, he noticed our our problems during the, the, the schools, like the semester, and he just like totally helped us out and gave us support and really gave us like resources that we needed. And I decided to uh, TA his class after, which was already a great opportunity. Like just being a TA teaches you a lot about uh, being a mentor, and especially for an entrepreneurship class where you're surrounded by creative creativity and you have to judge it without necessarily like the right to do so except for the fact that you're a TA so that was really cool and he decided that he would supervise my thesis which is awesome because I have this guy with a ton of degrees and like a lot of experience in the real world helping me mix both creativity and academia in my project and I mean he's like sending me like like five links a day basically kind of pointing to how I can make this an academic paper all the while using real world tools to gauge how memes are proliferated throughout the internet, which is insane because there's no books written on memes. There's like two and the author won't even answer my email. So I don't even know if she was serious about pursuing this like uh, study, but it's just, it's crazy because it's clearly something that affects people every day. People, millions of people are making millions of memes like all the time. So clearly it's a new art form that we have to like, not only just gauge, but we engage in every day. So we have to like accept that it's gonna be here for a while. And I wanna write about it so that there is a trace of how it might evolve, you know, that people like studied it. And I think that's the hardest part is kind of thinking like, hey, is it actually worth it to write about this? Like, am I gonna get a job about this? Or am I just some kid in a Master of Digital Media program who's gonna write about me and that's it? Hey guys, hope you enjoyed part one of our FITC episodes. Uh, part two shall be coming shortly. Uh, you can catch the end of our interview with the Ryerson grads and our interview with the art director of Dark Slope.